0: So, how do you know? And what do you do when you do know? How long does it take once you know? Hey, everybody, this is Mark Lee Shannon. I'm your host for Recovery Talks, the podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Doug Smith. He's the medical director of Summit County ADM Board and the director of Echo Superhub Neomed, Department of Psychiatry and Medical Affairs. Today, we talk about that big moment when you make the move, when you decide to get help, when you make the call. That's up next on Recovery Talks, the podcast. From the birthplace of modern recovery, Akron, Ohio. Welcome to Rockin' Recovery.
1: Recovery Talks, the podcast. Dedicated to sharing stories and amplifying the voices of those on the front lines in the recovery movement. Our commitment to you, to always deliver straight up sober talk with the sincere promise of a safe, stigma and judgment free zone.
0: Recovery Talks, right now. So welcome everybody to this edition of Recovery Talks, the podcast. I'm your host, Mark Lee Shannon, and I'm here today with Dr. Doug Smith. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. We have tried to do this. I think this is our third attempt at trying to get together <laughs> to be- Third times a charm. Yeah, third time is a charm. Dr. Doug Smith is a medical director for Summit County ADM board and medical director for the ECHO Superhub Neomed Department of Psychiatry and Medical Affairs. And I'm so happy to have you here because one of the things that we've been talking a lot about in the, in the recovery community as we come out of the pandemic is uh, the increased awareness um, that when people are having a problem, they need to talk about it. And one thing I think I've been asked more than anything in the past eight or nine months is how do you know? How do you know when you have a problem? And then when you finally decide, okay, I'm ready, what do you do? Now, when we live here in Ohio in Summit County, we can call the fantastic ADM board. And so I think one of the things I wanted to talk about is I'm living here in Summit County. I happen to be in Ohio and I'm in trouble. I found the number 330-940-1133. I'm going to say that number quite a bit. So what happens then when we call that number? What happens if it's a loved one who's calling for someone else? What happens if it's someone who's saying, you know, I've tried this before. I don't know if this is going to work. So I guess the first question is, what, what happens when I finally decide I'm picking up the phone and I'm calling for help?
1: Thanks for having me. Very, very important. I'll start with your, you alluded to a first question. So let me just talk to that for one second. I think, I think in general, because we live in a society that stigmatizes mental health and addictive illnesses, we tend to try to think, oh, I hope it's not that. And we ignore early signs and symptoms. Uh, And so to that end, you know, we may not pay as much attention to the fact that our sleep is not as good as it was or our weight has gone up or down, not because we did something on purpose to achieve that. You know, our energy level is not quite what it used to be. We're not concentrating as well at work, school, and our relationships. And those are often the the early signs. And I don't mean for a day or two. This is if it's been going on for, Mm. you know, probably two weeks or more, uh, where we start to think about maybe there's something going on. And you know, I, I'm very much against the whole stigma thing. I, I find it amazing. Uh, my example usually is: you know, if you're if you're walking down the hall and you see somebody, you see a lot. Uh, maybe they're even a friend, and you know, say, "Oh, hey, how you doing?" Most people are just like, "Okay," and they keep walking. But the truth is, if you know them well, if you had a bad head cold, you might say, "Wow, well, I've had this head cold for a few days, not feeling great. I'm not going to shake your hand today." Even before COVID, <laughs> you know, I'm just not just not up to it. Um, or you might say, well, you know, you know, I've got diabetes and my sugar is a little bit out of control, so I'm, I'm a little off today, but I'll be all right. But the sad fact is that they won't say, well, I've really been kind of down the last three days and I'm not sure why. And they won't do that. And, and it's amazing because we now know statistically that about one in four people, and it may actually be more common, it may be one in three during COVID as we're looking at new numbers, but at least one in four people has a diagnosable mental illness sometime in their lifetime. That is way, way higher than many other illnesses that exist, including diabetes and some of these other illnesses. And yet somehow we ourselves often judge ourselves, Oh, I don't want to have talk about that. Uh, and we judge other people. And I'm not sure it's even always conscious, but there, so we need to fix that. And we are getting better. We are definitely better uh, in 2021 than we were in 2001. You know, it's, it takes decades of time to fix, to move, to realize that health is health. And it doesn't really matter. We're all, it's all biology in a lot of ways. And then of course, experience and so forth, uh, the nurture around us obviously adds to it. Um, so, so that's just one piece. I think people, if they went in sooner, they would find out that most importantly, we are very good at treating mental illnesses nowadays. Depression, almost entirely. We can deal with those symptoms now very well. Psychotherapy and or medications are both. Uh, similarly, even, even the, the one that gets the most negative stage time, schizophrenia, we are so far beyond where we were, even when I was in training, and I'm not that old. You know, we, we now will catch somebody in the first 18 months of a psychotic episode, assuming they or the family get past the stigma and come get help. So please come get help is the message. We are really good at treating schizophrenia. So we keep people in school. We keep people in their relationships. We keep people in their jobs and they can go on to have a much more normal and perhaps completely normal life
0: uh, mm-hmm. with schizophrenia, which people just don't understand that how how debilitating, that can be. Doctor, why do you think there's such a stigma attached to mental health? I mean, I'm a recovering alcoholic and addict. We haven't had much chance to talk, but I came through St. Thomas. I did the whole thing. I'm sober. I'm working on my seventh year, but it wasn't always and and, you know, if you you break your arm, you go to a doctor. Why is it such a stigma for people in our society? Now, is it something that's just an American thing? Is it different in the United States? But why is there such a stigma with mental health in the United States or in our, our country right now?
1: I don't think it's only an American thing. I think it is better in some countries and worse in others. There are certainly some cultures where mental illness isn't spoken about. Uh, the, the, now, they may take care of their own loved ones and hide them basically in their house and not talk to neighbors. It's sort of a dishonorable thing. So it's, it can be worse than it is here. There are other countries, I think, with you know universal health care where they have realized that mental health and physical health go hand in hand. And so they may talk about it earlier in school and so forth. But I am a psychiatrist. I'll play psychiatrist for a second here. I I think part of the reason is that as humans, we are really pre-programmed to judge anything we don't understand in a negative light. And unfortunately, I think that that includes skin color. So if you're of light skin and you see somebody of darker skin or uh, using current terms, yellow skin, what have you, I mean, we don't understand it. If we didn't happen to grow up with friends uh, of different color, and similarly, it's the other way around, by the way. So if I, if I grow up uh, with, with dark skin, I, and I've not been around a lot of white people, I don't understand them either. And so we tend to judge negatively whether it's race. Now, now imagine the brain. The brain is interesting because if I talk to the audience now and say, you know, let's talk about your left hand. Suddenly you can think about your left hand. You were not until I just mentioned that. Almost nobody was on this podcast. And, and now you're paying attention to it and your brain can think about that. Oh, is it, am I feeling hot, cold, itching, pain, all those things in that hand. But imagine the brain trying to understand that it itself is ill. And that is part of the problem. We We struggle with that, both trying to understand other people that are having illnesses of the brain, as well as ourselves in particular, if we have an illness of the brain. So I think, again, we we're programmed to judge things we don't understand negatively. And we really have a hard time. Our brain does not do, if I say right now, think about your temporal lobe, you can't, right? I mean, you, you can't say, oh yeah, I'm noticing my temporal lobe. Well, as opposed to your any, any other organ of your body. Uh, you know, you can't necessarily know the organ, but you can kind of get it. Oh, my abdomen feels okay. So all those organs are probably okay. Uh, my left hand feels okay. So I think there's an, there's an issue of understanding It's just so difficult. So people with mental illness often, and and go back to your original question, you know, we often don't realize we might have a mental illness because the brain doesn't understand that it itself is having a problem. Now, we we may get annoyed that we're not sleeping well. And that actually does bring people into care more commonly than almost any other symptom, uh, fatigue or lack of sleep. People don't like that. And there's been more of that during COVID with the weirdness, the anxiety, the fear. Yes. And yep. so people yep. will come into their family, often a primary care doctor, family medicine, internal medicine, or uh, healthy women, it's often their OBGYN is their primary care doctor. And we go in and we will say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sleeping very well. I don't know what's going on. And the, the doctor will, he or she will walk through this with you. And maybe they'll find, you know what, let's ask you a few other questions. And in and very straightforward questions as I started with appetite, energy levels, uh, concentration. These are the big ones. The most serious of which is when you're thinking life's not worth living, uh, right. or you're thinking of doing something. That also is stigmatized, right? Because we don't understand what life is. Uh, I, I say this to medical students at Neomed. If I ask them to write an essay about what is life, you know, physicians ought to be able to do that better than anybody. They could probably write a very lengthy essay and never answer the question. Right. How is, how is an ant alive and we're alive and everything in between, or even start with an amoeba, right? A one cell organism. And, and so if we don't understand what life is, how do we know what death is? And so we judge death by suicide even more harshly uh, and as a stigma, I think, uh, which is sad because those are the very people who need to come in now. I need, I need help now. Or my loved one, and I'll use loved one and family broadly. That could be anybody who's in your arena or your support system. How do I get the help? And I think that first hurdle is tough.
0: For whatever reason, I've arrived at the point where I'm saying, please help me. Which is the most important three words That's in recovery at this point. Please help me
1: exactly right. And and I think what happens with that is uh, thankfully we Summit County is a well-resourced system compared to many. That does not mean there aren't gaps, but we're very well resourced. And so uh, first and foremost, let me just tell uh, your you and your audience we have uh, our goal is and I think we live this pretty well most hours of most days, a no wrong door policy. That is Whichever of those numbers you find, you, you gave a number, uh, we have a number for our ADM crisis center for the detox mm-hmm. side of the house, the main crisis hotline would rings at Portage Path Behavioral Health uh, in the same ADM crisis center building which sits kind of behind St. Thomas, which you mentioned there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really two structures in the same building, although they because they sit on a corner, we give them two different street addresses, same place. If you were to call either of those, uh, they're going to ask you enough questions to figure out where to, where we can get you the most help the fastest. If it's truly an emergency, you can call, even call 911. And the reason for that is that we now have trained a lot of police officers and sheriff's deputies in crisis intervention team. The T tea is team. And again, that's really what this podcast is all about. You know, you're now a member of the team, but you're also the focus of the team. So you're saying, I need help. And you, if you, so, if you know nothing else, call nine one one. That works. And you call nine one one, and you say, "Here's what's going on." They're likely to send a CIT trained officer to your home, and that's anywhere in the county. And that officer, he or she, has been through a full forty hour course that I happen to coordinate for the county. So we put people through their paces. They learn from experts. They learn from NAMI family members. They learn from consumers who are in recovery, and we really try to help them understand. What is this weird thing we call mental illness or addiction? Because they don't necessarily know it. I really wish we could put every every high school student through this course, you know, not, not just so they'd understand these are just illnesses. And I say just because there's a lot of illnesses out there and we're all bound to have something uh, in our lifetime, maybe multiple illnesses. And, and I think if we could do that. So these officers come to your house with a very different understanding, they're going to use their mouth. We teach them skills around de-escalation. And the goal is for them to use their mouth and not any of the things on their tool belt. Uh, and, and quite frankly, it's not only a citizen safety class, it's an officer safety class. They also walk away and get to go home to their families and not get physically injured. And they don't, and, and they don't really, nobody wants to go home at the end of their shift and say, oh, I hurt somebody today or I got hurt today. So, so they really have become great partners So 911 is is actually a good approach. They often co-respond with paramedics. Uh, So we do actually train paramedics in CIT as well. So they they will co-respond. So that's another option. For our younger listeners, and of course, now we're all getting used to this, uh, there's actually a crisis text line. So if you're not quite sure you can bring yourself to speak the words, you can text uh, the number 4 and H-O-P-E, just type 4HOPE, and you send it to 741-741-247, you will get a trained texting counselor who will text back and forth with you. And you know ultimately, they will help you, guide you toward, do you need services this minute? Let's call 911 together. Or do you need services? Let's tie you into one of, I think ADM currently funds uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 to 30 agencies, uh, across, I guess, some entirely and some partially, uh, not to mention we're very well-resourced because we have two great institutions here, SUMA and Cleveland Clinic, Akron General. So we've got those. We have North Coast behavioral health care. That is the state psychiatric hospital that sits in Northfield. So it's also in Summit County, uh, serves a bigger region, as do SUMA and Cleveland Clinic. Uh, but so we have everything from full inpatient psychiatric beds to one-on-one, let's sit and talk to group group therapy to help for your loved ones. I think another one is important is NAMI. So if, if I have a daughter and I'm struggling with what to do with her, and I'm probably also feeling the stigma, a great resource, if, if she's doing okay, but I know I need to do something, is to call NAMI, uh, the National Alliance on Mental Health. That's less urgent, but you're going to get uh, great people there. Uh, Leslie Stoyer and Ron Redder, the two co-directors, uh, and they're going to be able to, to walk you through. Uh, that's uh, 330-252-1188. Uh, their office space is actually uh, sits at Community Support Services, one of our, our excellent agencies. And it's there for a reason, because there are individuals who come for help there. Uh, they get excellent care there, often wraparound services, which include housing, transportation, other things that people need so they can get back on their feet. And the goal is whether the person ends up in a hospital or individual psychotherapy or anything in between is always to give them as much autonomy as possible. Our our goal is never to forcibly put someone in a hospital. I I will tell you that happens on occasion when somebody is very ill and doesn't realize they're that ill. We call that lack of insight. But it's always brief. We're talking days. Nobody stays in the hospital like they used to. 30 years ago, it's no more than a few days, generally, maybe two weeks if, if they're extremely ill, but really generally, almost always it's a few days. And, but we get them tied into services if that if it gets that bad. So I want to say that because I don't want people to not make the call because they're afraid they're going to be put in a psychiatric hospital. Uh, you know, everybody, interestingly, even young people now have seen One floor Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And, and unfortunately, as, as great of a movie as that was, it, it's, a, it's a huge stigma. Right, the yeah. stigma is you're going to be held down and given forcible shock treatments, uh, and you know you can't get Jack Nicholson out of your head, right, with that movie, or, or Nurse Ratchet. Yeah, worse yet, <laughs> Nurse Ratchet. But that's not the current way things are done.
0: So I get the courage to make the call. What happens to me? Who do I get on the line? What are the questions that they, they would ask me because I, I think that one of the things I, I get most from people who are uh, obviously who are aware that I'm a 12-stepper, they'll say, "Mark, I know you did this. I know this is working for you. I'm not sure I'm not sure if my daughter. I'm not sure if I I'm not sure, but I think I might I'm pretty sure I do. What I typically do is I say there's two big red flags. Number one is, did you tell yourself you weren't going to do it? And you couldn't not do it, whatever it was. And number two, did when you started, could you control the amount that you were doing? And those are the two big red flags to say you might have an issue with it. You might have an issue. So, I mean, what kind of questions could you expect? Because I think, you know, I I would be a little anxious, a little nervous, you know, I'm making this call. What's gonna happen? Is is really what I want to know.
1: So, whichever number you call, for example, if you even call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Just so you know, as the public knows, almost all of these numbers actually end up ringing in the ADM Crisis Center. So everything gets routed because they know the resources of the county. Wow! A number that exists in Washington, D.C. or wherever it is, does not know. Power of Electronics, it rings here. Uh, if you have a 330 phone number or a 234 phone number, area code, your numbers ring there. And, uh, and similarly, the crisis text lines are, are kind of routed that way. Number one, you're going to get a trained, caring person. Uh, they, they are doing that job because they know how to talk to people. They don't have the stigma. And they're going to, so they're going to be caring and compassionate. They're going to be friendly about it. They're going to ask basic things oftentimes. Sir, tell me why you called today. And then if you're unable to say at all, they're, they will ask you some basic questions. They're going to ask you, uh, have you been using any substances? Alcohol, marijuana, uh, medical marijuana now as well. Anything, right? They're going to get some sense of that. If you say yes, well, h- how much have you used, sir? You're going to get basic questions, so I have a general sense of how much. Because really, the first phone call is going to be about current risk, right? Basic discovery. Are you safe right now? If you're not safe right now, then they're going to be a little stronger about it. And say, sir, I really think we need to have uh, the ambulance come to your house, or we need to send police. How would you? They're going to try. In the kind, gentle way, well, how would you feel about that? Or or if you, they're really resistant, well, is there who's in the house with you right now? Oh, oh, your mother's there or your husband's there, whoever's there. And okay, would you be willing to come to the ADM Crisis Center or to your local emergency department so you can get an assessment? It's really hard for me to tell on the phone, but I have a sense you need help more now than a week from now, right? So... Truly, if people, I've not heard anybody, quite frankly, tell me, and I've talked to many people who've made these this this tough phone call, and as you said, it's very tough, who've said they were unhappy they made the call that that at, when they make the call, they get a caring person, extremely well trained, who who because of the nature of, as I said, of one in four people or maybe more than that have these uh, illnesses in, a, in the course of a lifetime, they get a lot of calls right that you're not the first call of the day and you're not the last call of the day when you call they're, they're getting these calls and, and they're really they really want to help that's why they do the job
0: what would happen if I'm not in Summit County what would happen then
1: so it would ring at whatever other place those, wherever the number gets routed right, you're still going to get a trained professional wherever those so the numbers ring places that exist for number 1 so they they've been set up so that it's going to hit a geographic region and get you help. And if, let's say for some reason you're sitting uh, at the in Stark County, but not quite Summit and it rings the crisis center, they're not going to turn you away. We don't turn now, because there's a lot of stuff in Ohio that's kind of done by how the payment system is. That's really the American health system. But right. nobody turns anybody away, including if you showed up in the ER, you showed up at uh, ADM Crisis Center they're not going to turn you away if you're in crisis that is not that's never going to happen so that is I'm good good question because I don't want people to think they're not going to get turned away
0: did the search engine of, I need help with addiction. What next? <laughs> and, okay. So so first thing it came up was a drug manufacturer, uh, which I won't mention their name. The next thing was, was it seemed like a, just an endless amount of resources of full service drug and rehab places. Doctor, it looked like this was rehab for hire. Is, is that that what's going on out there? Is this a for-profit business now when people get sick and ill? Is that what's going on?
1: So, if you call the main numbers that you have mentioned, I've mentioned, and quite frankly, you can get all of these on the admboard.org website. So we were, I think, the first to get a website. So we got the easiest one. <laughs> so none of them are for profit. We're very careful about. So we are. Our interest is. Well, I can't say none because I'm sure there's some out there that are very legitimate that are for profit. But the ones that we the ones that we fund traditionally are going to basically be uh, not for profit. I'll, I'll just say kind of do-gooder agencies uh, that, are, that are really their hearts in it, uh, their administrators' hearts are in it top to bottom. They, would, they want to just help. And in fact, they hire, many of them hire individuals in recovery from uh, any sort of drug addiction and or mental illness or both because there's a huge overlap with those two because,
0: again, they're brain illnesses. Uh, both addiction and mental illness or brain disease. I'm really glad to hear you say that. I really am. I, I think the perspective I was trying to get on is, is I don't know anything, right? right? Uh, right. And I'm, and I'm going to go to the internet because, you know, everything's on the internet. And I typed in, I need help with addiction. What next? And I was just amazed at how many of these agencies came up. And that's why I'm talking to you because I know that that's not the case with you guys. I know that. Uh, I've had some personal experience with referring some friends, actually family members, to ADM. And it's been just amazing. It's just been amazing, and I've 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 been associated with that as a volunteer at St. Thomas Hospital. I've been associated with you know how do you get there? I work on the detox ward on Monday nights, seven o'clock. I'm there. I'm Thank there. you I'm for there. giving back. That's you awesome. know, it's not that big a deal. Actually, I get a lot more than you know. I mean, they. I always tell people, you know, you may think I'm here for you. Uh-uh. Uh Trust me, I'm getting a lot out of this. I guess what I wanted to say is one of the questions I get too is, how long does it take? Cause you know when, when when you break an arm, you go well, you know six weeks, and then you're gonna be okay, Mark, and you'll take this off, and you'll be swinging that golf club. But with with mental health and addiction, it's is it true to say there's really no cure? There's just treatment. I, I hear that a lot. I mean, you really just have to stay with it. It's like doing push-ups. You can't do 50. You got to do five and then 10 and then 20. Is that what we're talking here when we talk about addiction? Is there really no cure? Is it just treatment?
1: I think for both addiction and other mental illnesses, we are talking about treatment. However, uh, and so I, I think it's fair to say that cure is probably elusive. Uh, so we probably don't talk cure, We, but it's more like a chronic illness model, like, asthma, COPD, diabetes, those kind of illnesses, which again, lots of people have at least one of those. The idea though, is that the medications, the talk therapy, sometimes one or the other, the person, it's all personal choice. The net result is the person will be in recovery, whether it's from substance use, depression, anxiety, what have you, or all the the above. It was quite frankly, when people are honest, it's in my family. It's, as you said, it's in your family. It's in everyone's family. Somewhere, somewhere it's, it's, it's everywhere. Everyone we know has got it. Exactly. Everyone's got it. So the answer to the question is yes. So for example, I use depression as one example. Then we'll talk about uh, opiate use disorder as another one. So for depression, we know the antidepressants. We have a lot of them. They're varying types. Now the newer ones in the recent few decades, at least last two decades, minimal side effects. Uh, Many people have no side effects, and we can usually find one that has no side effects for that person. We're talking four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks to feel considerably better uh, once the person's on the right medication. And the truth is, if the person's had one, uh, I'll call it an episode of major depression, so maybe they've not done well for weeks, maybe months because they couldn't quite make the phone call, which we're trying to help them today to say, make that phone call sooner, they may do well. And let's say, six months, a year later, they're fine. It's certainly reasonable for them to consider coming off the medication if everything else is fine. If they've had, if they then end up having a second event, which might be years later, we would often recommend, you know what, if that medicine works and there's no side effects, we're going to recommend you take it chronically. Just take it once a day. It's usually, literally these pills are often once a day. Um, Take your medicine Maybe touch base with a talk therapist, you know, literally every three months or something. Something really minimal at that point, just enough to make sure. And the reason I say that is, if I've gone through talk therapy with somebody and that's helped me deal with the other parts of my life, the pills don't change the stressors in your life, right? They they may help the chemistry of the brain and help you look at things differently, so you can deal with those other stressors. But all of us need help. None of us. With the idea of being completely independent is not really. Any of us, right? I call the plumber. You don't want me fixing your toilet, you know. But we got, We have to. We're interdependent with on other people for lots of for lots of things in life. And so the net result is that I want to have that relationship, a therapeutic alliance with a, a therapist. And then if I get into trouble, if I'm only even I've seen them four times a year, it doesn't matter. If I get into trouble, I can always amp that up faster, and I know them. And I trust them already. And they know me, and so we don't have to reiterate my whole life story again to, to a new person. So there's there's value to that. Uh, on the addiction side, again, there's a lot of overlap. It, it's the same kind of concept. So we have both medications and psychotherapy, depending on the type of medicine, medication. I will use opiates because that's the, the current issue with opiate epidemic, still not gone. Uh, I will use that one as an example. Because many people innocently get into that now, right? They Doctors and others were giving the medicines out Uh, There's lots of factors that I won't go into for this podcast. but No, but I
0: I hear that story all the time, all the time.
1: Yeah, they were given out. So the high school student, she was playing tennis. She sprains her ankle. When I was growing up, it would have been rest, ice, elevation. Maybe a week later, heating pads and ibuprofen. For a period of time, well, that's gotten better now. But there was a period of time where they were given 90-day supply of Percocet, right? Yes. fairly potent opiate. And they didn't need 90 days. Forever. But if, but some people's brains, not their fault, again, it's an illness, got turned on and they called a reward pathway and they wanted more of it and they wanted more. And they, so unfortunately, people's behaviors then alter to find the drug. So when we treat that illness, we actually have great medications now called medication assisted treatment. So it's not just a pill, it's the medication that helps satisfy those brain receptors. So you're not spending all your time thinking about, or using or obtaining to use the drug, which is the definition of addiction, you are going to spend your energy in recovery. You're gonna spend your energy talking to other people in recovery. Uh, so the, the concept of sponsors, AA started here for a reason, mm-hmm. Alcoholics Anonymous, yeah. now Narcotics Anonymous, and so forth. Very, very powerful. We are social animals. We forget that most hours of the day. We try to convince ourselves that we're not animals, but you know, much of our body is animal, right? So we, we need that socialization. COVID, part of the stress of COVID has been lack of ability to do as much socializing.
0: I think one of the most powerful things about my recovery is that I was encouraged to, through constantly attending 12 step meetings, to find a tribe of people that thought just like I did. And to feel part of something, a support group. Whereas, you know, we helped each other. And being helped and giving help was a huge factor in getting my brain to rewire to think, I'm not bad. I'm just maybe just a little sick. And that really made a huge difference for me. That concept. And that was brought upon by a wonderful lady at Edwin Shaw, her name was Patty Sleavey and She was a rock star back in the day, but she made me believe, you know, through the whole concept of, hey, look, you know, your brain is not working right. And, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, the concept of of post-acute withdrawal, I was not aware of. I just kept thinking I was relapsing because I was a bad person. I was a weak person. I had no idea what was going on. Really no idea.
1: And that's unfortunate because that is the stigma, right? The stigma is, oh, you're somehow weak or it's immoral or just pull yourself up in your bootstraps. and You know, you can't do that with other illnesses. Why do we think, and we do it to ourselves, as you just said, it's not just others.
0: We impose it on ourselves. I should be able to work through this. Well, we would never look at a cancer victim. We would never look at a diabetes victim and say, come on, just get tougher. Go to the gym more. You know, Um, can't you just, you know quit doing that cancer thing you know listen i i think that you know we could probably talk for hours and hours and i'd love you to come back and do another one with me if you could possibly but as we go out i want to ask you a question about where you think your profession is going and how we think we're approaching addiction and recovery and mental health and recovery you know and i I like to say this as an exercise let's say two years from now we're looking back and you know talking about the past years what do you think the most significant advances will be in the next couple years as far as addiction and Recovery and mental health services. What do you think is going to happen?
1: So the biggest one, I think, we will have continued to erode stigma. I think we're, we're we're that is, if there's any positive that's come out of the opiate epidemic, it's that so many people have seen their loved ones touched by it. Yes, that they suddenly yes. are like, oh, it's 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 not what we found, thought of in the '70s. Somebody, if you will, living in the gutter. That was kind of the mindset. Uh, and so I think that's one that that is gradually but surely. Is eroding, so we're realizing it. And the second one is, and we're working on this even as we speak, uh, is that we have learned now, and it will be certainly more and more every year that goes by, to treat all of this together. That we, we 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 need integrated care. We need to treat the brain along with the body. We need so that is real, that's the future. The future is to be able to say healthcare, not mental health care or addiction health care or physical health care. The future is to be able to say healthcare and then there's the, the stigma is then gone, uh, right? Because now you can just say, I, I went to my doctor and I got treatment for this, that and the other thing and you don't have to think about it. We're all, And by the way, we're all patients, right? I'm a patient. Yes, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a psychiatrist, <laughs> but I see doctors. Of course I see doctors. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. I, so I, I find the concept of doctor, patient or psychologist, patient, what have you. But, but I think as we look, Look back two years from now and certainly another decade from now back, we're going to have seen this gradual but definitive evolution towards let's treat everything together. And by the way, our agencies right now, most of them are working toward and some have achieved it already, being duly certified for both mental health and addiction treatments and having the right professionals there. And then the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services oversees that uh, to make sure that, that everyone's being honest about it and the right services are there. Uh, which is a positive v- version of government. Let's make sure that we're doing what we say we're doing. And that's what ADM does. Although we fund things, we also look to make sure that the agencies are providing good care. And And I can tell you that in Summit County, and I'm sure surrounding counties, I just don't know those as well, you're going to get great care. You're going to get a com- com- coming full circle, a caring, compassionate voice on the phone or on your text. And you're going to be able to to engage with somebody by text or by phone and then find the services, and it doesn't really matter which, which of those numbers. I would recommend, however, since you mentioned the Google search, if you're if you're looking for services, I would and you want to do it on the web. I would suggest going to www.admboard.org, and if you do that, you're going to find very readily services listed: addiction, mental health, family support, like NAMI and so forth, and. That'll guide you to way more services than you'll need (laughs) because you're going to find children, by the way, as well. Uh, Akron Children's, again, another wonderful place in Summit County. They have the Psychiatric Intake and Response Center. Uh, So it's basically a child-adolescent emergency department that deals with mental health and addiction issues. And then some of our agencies also work to treat children and adolescents as well, like Child
0: Guidance uh, does, and uh, community health center addiction recovery. So thank you so much for your time today. We, we've been listening to Dr. Doug Smith, who's the medical director for Summit County ADM board. I can't tell you how honored I am to have you here. And thank you so much for what you're doing for people like me who are in recovery to help erase that stigma. Because one of the biggest obstacles we find when we get into recovery is that that overwhelming sense that everybody knows everything about us before we've done drain out of the work and i I think that's the most difficult part of the first few miles when you're in recovery is overcoming that stigma of oh oh you're in, you're a recovering alcoholic oh I know how this is going to end but you know what people do recover and I'm Right now, I'm living proof. Today, I live in an airtight 24-hour compartment. I don't give a... But listen, let's thank you everybody for hanging with us for this edition of Recovery Talks. want you to stay tuned for more episodes and more guests as they share their journey from the darkest to light. And until then, stay standing and steady on. Thank you very much for coming with us.